Hey, good afternoon on this Wednesday. Welcome on into uh, lunch with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. And Klaibs, I, I had the wrong banner up at the top there. There you go. Hey, we are powered by Amron, Illinois, sponsored by Munganess St. Louis Acura, and also Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Find him online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Waited a few days. Uh, big week of baseball uh, with the trade deadline being Tuesday yesterday at 5 o'clock yesterday. So pushed it back to talk about everything the Cardinals were going to do. And... You know what? It's it is it's hard to kind of put into words and kind of hard to I think I find the emotion, find the emotions, find the right words to describe how the Cardinals went about the trade deadline, because with so many rumors out there and seeing how close they might have been to landing a big generational mm-hmm. talent like Juan Soto. But then in the end, doing what they needed to do to improve this year's team to make a run. It's easy to get upset about Soto, Claves, but it's really good to see the moves they made. Your thoughts on everything that transpired uh, this week with the cards? Well, you know, it, it's one of those issues that we just don't know. Now, we've been talking about how important it is to address pitching, and they did that. Now, how good are these pitchers? We don't know. Um, Quintana is a guy we've seen before. He's having a pretty good season. Uh, is he a difference maker? I don't know. Uh, I don't know a lot about Montgomery uh, other than, you know, he's a, he was a guy who went for the Yankees every time they gave him the ball, uh, which was surprising on why they wanted to park company with him, considering that they were in search of pitching throughout the deadline. So I, I don't really know where these guys fit. The other question is, you know, now that you've taken Bader out of your lineup de- defensively, is right field just going to be or, you know, I don't know what right field means to you anymore. Does Corey Dickerson get more playing time? Uh, is Newt Bar going to be the guy? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that are, that are missing here. Uh, throw in the fact that we don't know how healthy Tyler O'Neill is going to be for the rest of the year. So I don't know how much improved this team is because there's still more question marks, not only from pitching, but certainly in the outfield right now. And, and with the way Brendan, Brendan Diamond played in July, he wasn't very good. So, I'm, I mean, I just don't know where we go with this team. Uh, I would think they're supposed to be better, but I just don't know. You know, uh, let, let's start with the the trading away <coughs> of of Harrison Bader. Um, I, I know you were I know you were close with him with during his time here. He was a guy you talked to uh, in the clubhouse and uh, spent some time with. Did you have a chance to speak with him after he was traded yesterday? Uh, we've been texting, um, and so we just kind of figured we probably talk either today or tomorrow when things kind of died down for him because he's not even in St. Louis. So, you know, I I really feel like he needed some time to kind of decompress. But, you know, if you're Harrison Bader or anybody and you're playing anywhere else and you get traded to the New York Yankees, it it can't be all bad. You're getting traded back home and he'll do well in New York. Uh, He doesn't have to worry about hitting 280 in New York. He just needs to catch everything. Uh, And for him to be in that outfield, I think he's going to be really good. And he's got a chance to maybe really have an incredible career. Uh, but, you know, I think the fact that when you get the notice that you've been traded from the only organization you've ever known, you, you know, it, it's it's a shocker. And in talking to John Mosellock yesterday about it, you know, there was a time when Mo could make a uh, deal and not think twice about it. You know, hey, it's business. But he made a point. He said, you know, you've been around as long as I have. You, you get attached to some of these guys. They're your friends. You know, they're, they're not guys that are just the same age as your kids. They're all older than my kids. Uh, 
But he said, you know, it's one of those things where there is a, a personal attachment to it. And the, the phone calls can be a little bit more difficult when you've had a guy for as long as you've had Harrison Bader. So I get it. it you know, it's, it's tough. But, you know, you, you say to yourself, all right, Dylan Carlson's our center fielder. But as I just asked, who's your right fielder now? And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jordan Walker was playing left field for the first time uh, last night uh, for the first time this year. Because I really feel like they think that he might be able to come in next year in spring training and challenge for a job. Um, so Alex Carlson, a, too. I mean, that's yeah. another name that we've heard a lot about uh, with with the Cardinals, and he's a he's a guy. Maybe you see him this uh, this season. No, I agree. I, I think there's a real legitimate opportunity for him. Uh, the question then becomes, what do you do roster wise? You know, they've already got to make some roster decisions when they activate uh, um, when they activate. Um, uh, what you call it? Because you you got a left-hander when they, when Montgomery's here. What do you do yeah. in, your, in your bullpen? Yeah. Uh, and then you got a bigger question when Flaherty and uh, Stephen Matz come back. What do you do? So there's still some instability within this roster between now and the end of the month. Flaherty uh, is going to be back in St. Louis late this week, and he'll be here rehabbing. And then I'm sure he'll go out on an assignment. Um, he can be activated the end of August. I believe it's August 26th that he can be activated. Matt, I would think, would be somewhere in that vicinity because here's the thing you got to take into account. You know, minor league season ends in September, so they can't go out and, and get multiple opportunities in the minors b- b- uh, after September 1st. So whatever rehab they're going to do, they need to get it done early, and they're probably going to have to continue to do it here if the injury persists in being something that they can't get remedy before uh the first of september so there's a lot of moving parts with this ball club right now yeah you mentioned i mean let's it, you assume tyler o'neill will be healthy at some point this week to be able to well yeah he's your yeah he's your left fielder you have carlson now he's your everyday center fielder here moving forward i don't even know who the next center fielder in the organization is right now i mean i guess it's Nupar is the backup center fielder yeah at, uh, at this point mm-hmm. but you look at what you have in right field now between Dickerson and Newt Bar and Donovan, maybe Edmund. If, if maybe Edmund goes and plays right field, if Gorman's playing second base and DeYoung's back at short, uh, Juan Yepes at some point is going to be healthy enough to come back and be on this team. What does it say about some of those young guys like Newt Bar and Yepes and Donovan that the Cardinals were willing to cut ties with Harrison Bader, knowing that they have more options there in right field, not even, not even mentioning right now, Burleson Walker, who are not, I don't believe either one's on the 40 man right now. No, they're not. Um, You know what though? If you look back at the history of the Cardinals, they've always had expendable outfielders. You can go back to Ryan Ludwig and Tommy Pham and other players that have been replaced by the Baders of the world. And now Carlson, uh, that's something they've always done. So it's not something out of the norm for them. Uh, they've always had a stockpile of outfielders. And in some cases, they moved outfielders to other organizations because they didn't have room for them here. You go back to Oscar Mercado, who was a guy that I remember that everybody thought was pretty good. Abisail uh, Garcia recently he was yeah, an all-star. Exactly. And, uh, you know, they he really didn't get much of an opportunity here at all. Uh, Randy Rosarini. That's, I mean, Piscotti was a different circumstance, but they were comfortable. I mean, they let, you know, they let him go. Randall Grichik, they, they parted ways with him. It's, that is a long, long list of names that are still playing Major League Baseball since they left the Cardinals. Well, you know, it used to be the second base position. 
You yeah. think about all the second basement we went through. Go back to Adam Kennedy, uh, Gruzelani, Vina. Uh, they had a number of guys that played that position that they just moved in and out. And so I, I just think it's cyclical on, on the position that you have a surplus in that you see the movement. So, um, but going back to the original point, um, this team isn't still fluid until the end of the month when everybody's coming back. Um, so what does that mean? Does Montgomery, is he a bullpen guy? Does Palante go to the bullpen? So your bullpen could be stacked. And if that's the case, then you only need your starter to go five, maybe six, because you're going to have two. It's going to be like hockey. You'll have two different lines of guys that you can use every other day. So no bullpen guy is going to be taxed where he's going to have to go back to back very often. You know, you got a wave of guys that you can use each day. Uh, the key is who's going to be your other closer. I don't think it's Giovanni uh, Gallegos. You know, I mean, he could be. But, you know, is the combination of Gallegos, Helsley, uh, Packy Norton, or Cabrera? And then the next day you've got Montgomery, uh, Norton, or, or uh, Cabrera. Uh, you got another – you got Jake uh, Zach Thompson in that mix. You know, you got Hicks. You know, there's a, there's a lot of different moving combinational parts that you have to take a look at. And that's something I'm anxious to talk to Ali Marmol about today – you know, how the bullpen will stack up down the road. And you got Palante. So, I mean, you got a number of different guys that you can use in different pieces. Have they uh, have they announced it yet? Uh, who, uh, when, when Jose Quintana is pitching, is he starting tonight against Stroman? No, it's uh, Miles Michaelis tonight. Okay. So it'll be Michaelis tonight, Thursday with uh, Quintana. I know you spoke with him yesterday yeah. before the game. Um, anything you learned about uh, about him? Um, competitive, uh, a guy who's made some adjustments about his game. Uh, he's been around, he knows how to pitch. Um, the, I think the question you ask from him is, is he a five inning, six inning guy? You know, how many times through the order do you want to see him? Uh, but if he has confidence in his pitches where he can get righties out, uh, this guy might be a real important cop. You know, everywhere he's been, he's been a guy that you don't appreciate until he's gone. Uh, so, We'll see what happens. Uh, this He could be an interesting player to have around. Let's uh, touch just a little bit on Juan Soto and in that trade. Can you remember a time when, a, when the car, I mean, there's, you know, talking of Juan Soto and the, the kind of player he is for the age he is. I'm trying to think back to a time when a player like that was even on the market. I, I'm trying, when, when, when was Miguel Cabrera or Giancarlo Stanton? I mean, they weren't 23 when they were on the uh, on the trade block for that. I mean, you're talking about a 23-year-old who is up there with the most historic players in the game when it comes to the numbers he's put up the first few years of his career and the trajectory of his career. And by all, by, by all things considered, the Cardinals were one player away. We're what, Dylan Carlson away from adding him to the, uh, to the trade, which I think is just too much. I, when you look at that, be, I, I think fans are looking at this and going, oh, the Cardinals wouldn't trade Dylan Carlson for Juan Soto. No, that's not the case. The Cardinals wouldn't trade Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, Mason Wynn for Juan Soto. I mean, that's a that, that, that gets a lot, that list gets a lot bigger when you actually look at the details of it. Well, that's true. Um, I don't think there's been a player like that. Um, you know, <clears throat> I, I guess his age is probably the X factor here, being 23. 
I mean, you know, who thought Nolan Arnano could be had when you go back to players that have good talent? So here's something that I think we need to take into account. If Juan Soto is that good, and I don't see why anybody wouldn't think he wouldn't be that good, in two years you can go after him as a free agent where you don't have to pay anything but money. Mm -hmm. And I think by then if San Diego can't sign him, and, and maybe they can, I think we're looking at our first $50 million player. And the reason why I say that is because by then there'll be more money in the pool because the owners will have money from expansion. There'll be some new TV deals that will be coming about, uh, some other revenue stream opportunities that will be coming about. Uh, so there'll be more money in the pot for a guy like Juan Soto. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to get a $50 million deal, and I don't think it'll be 15 years. I think maybe 10 is probably more likable. Uh, and maybe there's deferred money there also, but I think Juan Soto will be the first $50 million player. I think when you look at the history of Mo, and I, I know fans are probably frustrated that Mo didn't pull the trigger on Juan Soto. I think what they ended up doing at the trade deadline is just fine by me. And I look forward to seeing both of those guys pitch this week. But I think if history tells us anything, you know what? Jason Hayward, he left. Mo went out. He spent money. He got, yeah, I mean, it didn't work out that great with Dexter Fowler, but he also traded for Paul Goldschmidt. He made the team better that way. Marcelo Zuna walks. He goes out. He trades for Nolan Arenado. I mean, Mo has shown that he can go out and trade and land those big-name players. And I think when you look at what he gave up to get Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, I think you're going to look back at that and go, okay, yeah, those guys aren't that great. Well, I think it's already been proven. Luke, Luke Weaver is on his second team now mm -hmm. since he got traded. Um, you know, Carson you, Kelly was hitting, I think, 180 when I was uh, when I was out in San Diego. It was the Padres and Diamondbacks, and I look up at the scoreboard and I'm like, "Oh, Carson Kelly's leading off," and then I look over there and his batting average is like 182. Yeah, and that, that tells you more about the Diamondbacks than it does about Carson Kelly. Well, look at what Colorado. Can you name any of the players from the Colorado deal that are everyday household names yet? Who are the the lefty pitcher? Um, yeah, see, you can't even remember his name. <laughs> So, and the other guys, you know, and granted, Colorado can swing the bat a little bit, but it's not because of anybody the Cardinals gave them. Right. So, and, and you don't always want the deal to be a bad deal for the other team. You know, you like to say, well, our prospects were pretty good. And, and I, I really think the evaluation of prospects has changed. Well, we better be careful about how we elevate and, and rank prospects because as we're learning, not all of them are the same. You know, he was a number two ranked guy. He's a number 10 ranked guy. In some eyes, maybe so. And in other eyes, maybe he's a number eight ranked guy or maybe 15th ranked guy. So there's so many things that go into that. And then the question comes into play as well. He might be ranked that, but can you develop him? Can you make him the player that is why he's ranked 12th instead of 10th? You know, so there's a lot of things that go into that. And I, I really think everybody's got to step back and just kind of reevaluate evaluation as far as what you think a person's actual co uh, contributing factors are going to be. I think one of the when you talk about trades working out for both sides, look at the Marcelo Zuna trade. You know, the Cardinals made the playoffs with Marcelo Zuna in the middle of that order. Say what you want about him and what has happened since then. But he came here and he put up the offensive numbers you kind of expected him to put up. And the Cardinals had to trade away Sandy Alcantara to get him in the end. I'll go, I'll go one better. What about Carlos Beltran? 
you know, you lose Albert and we think the world's going to come to an end. Carlos Beltran got us in the playoffs to put the two years he was here while Albert watched the playoffs on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Berkman too. I mean, they yeah. went and they, you know, they, they went and they, they went and signed Berkman. By the way, I did. Uh, so Nolan Arenado, they traded away. It was Austin Gomber was the lefty I was thinking of. Alurius Montero, mm-hmm. Mateo Gill, and Tony Losey. Those are uh, those are not any names that I've seen uh, come across the MLB Network lately when I watch highlights. And yeah, you haven't seen them as Player of the Month, Player of the Week, or anything else. So, you know that that kind of proves our point with regard to uh, moving prospects for legitimate players. Um, I, although I I really feel like the Walker win combination or true futures that we'll see. Um, you know, Walker's hit everywhere. Uh, he's a good athlete where he's now playing the outfield. Uh, maybe he'll end up being a first baseman before it's over with. Uh, Mesa Wynn has too much athletic ability and it's continuing to ascend from a hitting standpoint. Uh, as it's interesting, I'm even having this conversation because last night Ozzy was in our booth and we were talking about him, and he made the point that he was looking forward to seeing him in spring training, uh, because he intends to come this year. But, you know, they missed on uh, Delvin Perez, but I don't think they're going to miss on this kid. I think his athletic skill and his desire to be better is going to put him in the driver's seat as far as maybe being a future shortstop at this ball club. Do you consider, I mean, when you look at everything that surrounded Delvin Perez, knowing what we knew the day he was drafted, I think it was more of taking a flyer on him. Yeah. Knowing that's true. that this guy was a, could have been a top three pick before everything came out about him and the Cardinals took him at what, like 17? Yeah. So I think the Cardinals thought, you know what? Hey, maybe maybe everyone else is reading too much into this. We'll take a shot well, at him. And it didn't they were work wrong. out. They, they were. were wrong. Yeah. And, and I think even what stings most is Perez with a Puerto, B- Puerto Rican background had Jose Okendo there, okay? And this is as much as we can get out of him. I mean, and it's unfortunate. Guy has some talent. I mean, I watched him in the minors. You'd watch him every year in the spring, and you say, okay, you know, he didn't grow very much, but I think you were enamored by his height and his range, but he never he never hit, uh, and he was just undisciplined. I mean, maybe he's grown up a little bit because he's got to be, what, 22, 23 by now. So maybe it, it, it clocks in, and maybe he goes somewhere else and does a good job, but he was a Rule 5 guy, and nobody took him. Yeah. So 20, Yeah, 23 uh, yeah. right now. So – uh, hey, last night uh, before we before we head to our break, uh, last night, late last night, after the Cardinal game had already ended, news came out of Los Angeles. Uh, Major League Baseball lost a legend in the passing of Vin Scully, ninety four years old, spent sixty seven years behind the microphone for the uh, for the Dodgers in Brooklyn, and then moving to Southern California. Um, you. You hear his name and you immediately hear that voice that uh, that came along with it. And it's really hard to kind of come up with a top 10 calls of all time because he just had so many that putting them into a uh, any kind of list is damn near impossible when, <laughs> when you look at it. But uh, a true icon, a true legend in the game of baseball. Well, he's no legend in sports because he was accomplished in golf and so certainly the NFL. It may have been good at hockey. The only reason we probably don't know is because Bob Miller was was doing the King games, and Bob Miller was the Vin Scully of of, of hockey in L.A., and Chick Hearn was the was the Vin Scully of basketball in L.A. for the Lakers. But who knows? Maybe he could have done those sports as well. 
you know, his elegance is the thing that stood out. You know, Vince Scully, and I got to know him over the years and, and just the nicest, most graceful person, impeccably dressed all the time. Unlike 98% of the people who are in this business now. And I'm going to get off on a rant here for a bit because you know what? I, I, I've always prided myself in this is in my profession of at least dressing like a professional, making sure you look the part. But I see people now who are a flat out embarrassment. Just there's no excuse. And I'm not asking them to go out and buy, you know, a Hugo Ball suit or have a, a you know, a, a very nice expensive shirt. But just try. And I know that, you know, people would say, well, you know, I, I want to be comfortable. Well, you can be comfortable, but at least try to look comfortable. Look, look like a professional. I mean, 2022, you can get nice I don't dress clothes that make you comfortable. Yeah. I don't care. What, I'm just saying, it's not, yeah, they're, they're is, not polyester it's a, it's suits or anything. Yeah. It's a joke. Um, and, and if I, I don't, if I could start naming names, I'd be here all day. Yeah, but it's a joke on how people conduct themselves. You're not comfortable uh, going up a size. And, and the reason, uh, and the reason why I look at it is because Vin Scully was the most impeccably dressed person you'll ever run across. And that's how it used to be. That's why I appreciate how hockey players, dress before it's still shirt and tie now i know they're trying to relax that but there's an element about what we do if you're the best in your business you should dress like you should look the part and i just kind of feel like we've lost that and i know i'm getting off on a rant about something but vince scully exuded elegance and professionalism in every sense of the word his ability to be a broadcaster was outstanding uh, you know, he grew up in an era with his career with Jackie Robinson and he and Jackie were very close. Uh, and, you know, Vin caught a lot of heat for it at one point. He was this young broadcaster befriending, you know, a black player, uh, first black player in baseball. But what he meant to so many was just incredible. And I think the thing that's really amusing uh, and amazing, you know, he did a lot of those games by himself. You know, I knew a guy that they hired to come out and was going to work with him. And that lasted all of about three weeks. And uh, and Vin kind of let him know, hey, this is a one man show. This this probably ain't gonna work. And this guy landed on his feet. He's he's doing really well in his career. But Vin, you know, he was used to driving a bus by himself, and he was so good at it. Now I, he didn't need a partner. I mean, his partner was the listening audience. Yeah. that's that's the way it got over the years with him. Where yeah, you knew if you were in L.A. or I mean, there were plenty of years that I would listen to games on on my phone or on the computer and i would go and i would get the mlb radio um thing and i would listen to that because he's telling you a story he knows that you're listening he knows and he just he knew you were there there was a game on in the background he'd tell you about and he had a story to go for all nine innings or later in his career he was just doing three innings six innings of a game but he had you know he he had the stories there to tell you the entire time yeah you're you're right and, and i think as i'm kind of doing a mental Rolodex here. There's a, two people right off the bat I know could do all nine every day uh, because of their preparation. Uh, John Miller could do it. John Rooney could do it. Uh, and I'm sure there's some other people, but those are the first two to come to mind where it would, if, if somebody had whooping cough and couldn't work for a month and you couldn't find any, those guys would be able to do it. And I, I think there's other guys who could, but I just feel like Vin Scully was like the ultimate gold standard. And, you know, in this era of Mount Rushmore's, um, then there's a mountain just for Vin, and then there's a mountain for the other guys who are pretty good. And and the other guys are pretty good. I mean, you know, you think about Jack and Harry. You know, I mentioned John Miller. There's a, there's a list of other guys who are great at what they did. 
But I think with the longevity that Vince Scully had where he remained sharp, you know, you, you touched on it, 67 years. Joe, there are people die well before 67 years in this country, all right? He's still working. And I didn't think he lost much off his fastball. I've worked with people who lost something off their fastball, and then obviously, you know, age catches up to you. But uh, in his case, he was terrific. And uh, I just think the way he carried himself is the example that I think he said that I wish more would abide by. If you, uh, I know you mentioned earlier, I won't give all the details away, but if uh, you're driving around or if you have a chance to listen to the Camo X pregame show today, um, I know you're going to, I know you guys will do plenty on that. Cause I'm, I know well, Finn, uh, probably made a, uh, quite a few uh, stops at Camo X over the years. Well, here's the thing about Vin. Uh, he would travel with his wife a lot when he was traveling. And when the postseason rolled around, when he wasn't traveling, he was still, Oh, and when postseason roll around, he would travel then and he bring his wife. So, as you know, our booth is massive. And we always made sure that she could sit in our booth where she wouldn't be cramped in, in the visiting radio's booth. And she would always sit in there and delightful woman. And he loved to go to Mike Shannon's restaurant because Mike Shannon served pork chops and he loved pork chops. So we got to know him really well. And he was just such an accommodating, well-read person. I mean, you know, Vince Scully might have made a living at baseball, but Vince Scully would have been your favorite teacher in college or in high school or grade school. Uh, a well-learned person that just exemplified everything you'd want to know. Uh, and as I said, getting to know him and his wife. And he was so appreciative of what we did for him when, when his wife would come. When we go to L.A., he let us. So he had his own dining room. So they had the media room. And then he had his own separate dining room that now Charlie and Rick Monday and those guys eat in. But if you got invited to sit and have me, uh, dinner with him, you know, it was kind of a, a it was a, a, a quite an accomplishment. And we would go out to L.A. He would say, hey, come in and eat with us. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this was like for, you know, royalty that would eat in there. So he was a, just a very appreciative, generous person. Uh, I don't know anybody who didn't like him. And if I did, I probably would cross the street because a bolt of lightning might strike any minute. But overall, he was just an incredible person that we'll sorely miss. And, and he knew when to get out. That's the other thing. He knew when to get out. Some people didn't, uh, but he did. He felt like maybe the skills were diminishing a bit. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was an adjustment for him. But, you know, and the Dodgers have missed a beat. They have Charlie Steiner, who's one of the best there is. So he and Rick Monday do a phenomenal job. So the Dodger broadcast system has been in place for a number of years, and they haven't missed a beat. He is Mike Claiborne. I'm Joe Roderick. You are watching Lunch with Claibs and Joe here on a Wednesday. We are driven by Munganash St. Louis Acura, powered by Ameren, Illinois, and also sponsored by the HomeLoanExpert.com. Back with more after this. Hi, I'm Mike Claiborne. I'm with the Gillespie team. And as you know by now, things like food, groceries, and gas are all becoming more expensive by the day. This is a way for you to find some new cash in your home, and these guys are going to help you out. You know what, Mike? Your home has never been more valuable than it is now. So take advantage of the equity with a cash-out refinance. You can even use that money to pay off credit cards, do some home renovations, or even put that money in the bank for those crazy high gas prices. Our average client receives about $54,000. How much can, can you, you get? Find out now at jnjloans.com.
Hey, Mike, coming up on uh, August 12th, the uh, the next homestand after this week, the uh, the Cardinals will be uh, taking on as it slowly opens for me. Yes, they'll be hosting the Brewers in that night. 25,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home an embroidered 1982 V-neck jersey, courtesy of Phillips 66. Tickets and information available at cardinals.com slash promotions. And all week long, uh, Klaibs are going to be honoring that 1982 Cardinals team. I know they sent out the, uh, the list last week of all of the players that are going to be coming back quite a few names on that uh on that list that i know we'll uh we'll be definitely talking about yeah. next week um that you know, will be coming into the booth and uh, you guys have a lot going on that weekend yeah i'm looking forward too. to it you know some of those guys you've seen uh i've seen a lot of them this year um i i hope that george hendrick comes that that's the one guy i would like to see uh last time i saw george he was a first base coach for tampa and I know they've made some efforts to reach him, but you know George was silent to the media, and he was also he's been silent since. Uh, but that's a guy who was a real glue guy to that ball club. Uh, but I think from what I was looking at the list, everybody who's alive, I think, is going to try and make it. Uh, so you know it's going to be a fun time for people who remember that era of Cardinal baseball. Yes, sir. Uh, 1982, that weekend, it will be uh, the, against the Brewers coming up. Not this weekend. This weekend's the Yankees. It's next weekend against the Brewers. Tickets available online at cardinals.com slash promotions. Back in 30 seconds. St. Louis Acura has almost 200 pre-owned vehicles in stock with inventory arriving daily and can offer the best trade-in value. While others raise their prices and fees, we choose to earn your repeat and referral business by not taking advantage of the current market situation. We invest in our team, becoming one of St. Louis's top places to work and fastest growing companies. St. Louis Acura remains committed to becoming better than ever for you. Located at Manchester and Mason Roads. Back here, lunch with Claves and Joe, uh, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganash St. Louis Acura, and also sponsored by the HomeLoanExpert.com. Uh, we just talked about Vince Scully and his passing. Claves, uh, we've lost two other legends this this week. Um, first, it was Bill Russell passing away at the age of 88. Uh, I Greatest winner of all time? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. You know, he and Ari Richard, uh, the pocket rocket for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, between the two of them, they won 21 championships in their careers. Uh, pocket rocket won 10. Uh, but Bill Russell, I think when you look at his expertise as a coach and winning as a player coach, I mean, that's unheard of also. But, you know, his impact on the world is not just in basketball. His, his advocacy for civil rights uh, was something that's legendary. And I know uh, Jerry West made the point. He thought he was as, as valuable to civil rights as Jackie Robinson was. Uh, Jackie didn't really have as many people supporting or, or standing out there with him at the time. Bill Russell had a number of guys who decided, you know, we're going we're gonna to do something about how, how things are working. And um, when you think about what he's meant to those people and the fact that Bill Russell was a guy who never – criticize a teammate maybe he didn't do it publicly and was always helpful and made everybody around him better hey we need more scoring tonight all right bill bill's gonna score five more points than he normally does hey this team rebounds really well all right well bill's gonna get a half a dozen more rebounds he can guard he can pass he could do everything but he understood the game and you know my personal 
history with him goes back to with my dad. My dad knew Bill Russell as a kid. My dad's a little older than Bill. And the reason why he ended up in San Francisco was because he was from Monroe, Louisiana. My dad's from Lake Providence. And they had mutual family friends. So Bill Russell's mother was in a department store one day and a white female, you know, crossed the line, said some things. One thing led to another. and She got the shit slapped out of her, literally. And at that point, they ushered her out of the department store and her family and friends said, this is not good because apparently who she hit, her husband was connected. So they put him on a bus and sent him to Oakland. That same night, their house burned to the ground. Jeez. Uh, so he that's how he found himself in the Oakland. Ended up going to high school there, played in San Francisco, played for the Dons, who at one point had the longest winning streak in college basketball. I believe it was 58 games. He and Casey Jones, another Hall of Famer. Uh, we're on the same team at at University of San Francisco. They find their way playing together with the Boston Celtics. Uh, and once Bill won there as a player, ended up being a coach, ended up being a broadcaster for a number of years for CBS uh, and ABC um, for, for, the, for the NBA. Ended up being in management, was a coach with the Sacramento Kings. And the funny thing about him is uh, Kenny Smith tells a story. That when Kenny was a rookie, you know, he'd sit in the back of the bus with these other guys. And, and the team was a collection of misfits, okay, when Bill took over. He made Kenny Smith sit in the front with him, and he said, you know why? Because none of those guys you can learn how to win from back there. This guy here is a perennial loser. This guy's doing drugs. This guy, And he went down the list on why they weren't going to be good with those collection of players. And Kenny Smith always sat in the front because Bill Russell taught him the game. So there's so many Bill Russell stories out there. And we had one locally last time. Well, it wasn't the last time he was here. I ran into him. The last time he was here, I, I had a chance to visit with him. And uh, he was graceful to me. He knew my dad. And there was a picture of my dad, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's father. My father and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's father went in the Army together. And he lost the picture in the fire he had at his house many years ago. But uh, point being, Bill Russell was a guy who was in St. Louis on a barnstorming exhibition playing basketball and could not get served at a restaurant. And some some words were exchanged. And that was the year he was getting drafted. And he let it be known, I'm not going to St. Louis. And that's how Red Arback got wind of it. Ed McCauley wanted to move back to St. Louis because he had a family issue going on with one of his kids and wanted to be close to one of his kids. And that's how the trade got engineered, Russell for McCauley. And uh, both of them ended up being in the Hall of Fame. Ed McCauley even won here in St. Louis with the Hawks. So it, it, there's a lot of things that went on with Bill Russell, St. Louis, and the whole nine yards, but just a phenomenal person. So going back to this other story, Tony LaRusso had him in the clubhouse one day. And, you know, oh, that's Bill Russell. So there were some players that were like, man, I don't got to get an autograph. Well, Bill Russell didn't sign autographs, okay? I mean, everybody, anybody knew Bill Russell, he didn't sign. He would shake it. He thought shaking your hand and looking into your eyes was more rewarding than to uh, sign a piece of paper. And uh, he, he did sign some memorabilia later in life. Well, there was one player that was really upset and wanted him out of the clubhouse. And somebody had to go over and remind, hey, that's Bill Russell. We know who you are. But that's Bill Russell, and Bill Russell doesn't want to sign, and that's that's his prerogative. And that player will go unnamed here on this show, but if you can do the math, you might be able to figure it out at some point. Uh, but anyway, he was a phenomenal person, uh, competitive, tough, funny, uh, still the first guy that players sought out uh, 
when the All-Star game rolled around. And, you know, you can see so many players would talk about it. Um, so, yeah, he had such an impact, man, and he's going to be missed. And even to when he was dying, uh, was still active in trying to make sure that people were treated fairly. And uh, I'll never forget him for what he's meant to me and, and certainly this country. All right, so you had stories on Vince Scully. You had stories on Bill Russell. The other one that we lost this uh, this past week at the age of 89 was Nichelle Nichols. Uh, known for Star Trek, Klaibs, anything on uh, anything on her? Um, I met her, this had to be 25 years ago, maybe longer than that. So my dad had a friend who used to date her back in the day. So my dad knew her. And he used to tell me, because like when Star Trek would come on, he was like, hey, man. And so he said, well, you know, I know her. And I said, you do? So as we got older, you know, I'm an adult. He's an adult. I said, Dad, Michelle Nichols. Uh, he said, no, nah, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but he told me who it was. You know, he told me who it was. And I was like, I had even greater respect for that guy <laughs> later in life. You know, and... Uh, but he used to always talk about, hey, man, you watching Star Trek? You know, I mean, yeah, I kind of watch it, you know. He said, what do you think of that Lieutenant Aurora? And I was like, oh, she's hot. He was like, yeah. And so, you know, when he said it, I didn't think anything. I'm a kid, all right? So when we got older, we are sitting around having a, having a beer, talking, and, you know, talking God talk. And I asked him about it. He said, no, nah, it wasn't me. Just like that. He, you know, and I love forgot that conversation, but he told me who did. And I was like, oh, really? You know, and it's almost like you want to call him up and ask him, hey, man, you know. So anyway, yeah, that, that's my only I, I met her one time and she was very nice. Uh, but I don't have any stories to say, you know, we shared a foxhole and, you know, Vietnam <laughs> or anything like that. But but I do know somebody who who knew her. Let's just put it that way. Uh, all right, we got to take a break off of uh, off of those stories. When we come back, we are going to wrap up today's show right here on Lunch with Klaibs and Joe. It's ClaibsOnline.com. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's the winner. That's the winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. Relive the final strikeout pitch from Bruce Suter to Daryl Porter in Game 7 of the 1982 World Championship with a one-of-a-kind bobblehead. This bobblehead will be one that collectors don't want to miss. Find out more at cardinals.com slash promotions. Klaibs, the folks at Poffit K9 have done uh, wonders for your uh, your dogs at home. Um, what, uh, what's the latest on how they... Well, uh, I'm glad you go. brought that up because I was out there yesterday with my dog. You know, when I go away, because I was gone for like 10 days, uh, you know, your dog is in a kennel, you know, and then I have as much fun or they don't have the, the interaction, you know, with, with me as I like to. So I always like to go out and just make sure that they can get get accustomed to making sure they're doing all the right things. And uh, hung out yesterday with Jeremy and just had a good time. And, you know, Maya's doing well and we're having a good time. As a matter of fact, she's laying right under me, just chilling. Um, but, yeah, Poffitt is – and this is what I love about him. You can go through the training, get the lessons and how to work with your dog and do them, teach them how to do this. But they're there for refresher just to make sure you continue to do your thing. You know, your dog is only going to be as well-trained as you want to train them. And you have to do some of the things as well. But if you're thinking about getting a pet or if you have one and you want to make sure somebody 
make sure they're doing all the right things from potty training on to everything else that you would hope to have out of a dog. These are the people you want to talk to. I can tell you firsthand what an impact they've had on my dog and me. And I think they can do the same for you. Go online, check them out. They don't leave any breed behind any breed you have. They can work with. And uh, they take pride in that. And they do security. They do defensive training. They do break house, make sure your pet is housebroken. Anything you need when it comes to having your dog being properly trained, they can do. So go online or give them a call. Let them know we sent you. And then watch them take it from there. Back in 30 seconds. Hi, I'm Mike Claiborne, and I'm with the Gillespie's. And I have to ask you a question. Is it true that you need a big down payment to buy a house these days? No, Mike, that is not true. I've closed several clients with zero money down. Seriously, zero dollars down. And as a bonus, we'll give you a $500 gift card when you mention Mike Claiborne. Only at jnjloans.com. Back here, final segment, Lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and sponsored by the HomeLoanExpert.com. Um, Claves, this, uh, this past weekend, the Live uh, Golf uh, Golf League held their, um, held their tournament at one of Trump's courses out on the East Coast and um, struggled with viewers, at, uh, which is it's only on YouTube. They had $2 tickets available on StubHub. Charles Barkley turned them down for a media deal. Uh, things are not really picking up. The, 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 the wheels are not moving in the direction that the Live Tour is hoping. Throw in the fact that the golf wasn't very good. Did you see some of the scores? I mean, uh, 67% of, them were, of the golfers were like over par. So, um, yeah, I think it's growing pains to come with it. And, you know, they, they have, they've got to do a better job of promoting their events. And, you know, while the PGA has made sure with its tentacles to make sure to discredit the individuals and the events um, by talking about the political side of it with being with, involved with Saudi money, I, I find it really amusing that, uh, you know, the former president's involved in this and everybody's trying to figure out how they can separate the former president who they supported and the Saudi golf, golf tour, which is amusing because, hey, you can't have one without the other at this point. Uh, with regard to his course being available and him trying to say all the nice things about the Saudis when, you know, the people who don't like the Saudis voted for him. So that that's been amusing in its own right. But I feel like the, the, the live tour has got to do a better job of promoting what they're about and getting in front of better, more people uh, along with maybe sure, making sure the golf. So you have to remember this. They got a bunch of, they have some golfers on that tour. They're like, class a assholes okay that nobody liked when they were on the pga tour so they've got to try and figure out a way to spin off and create more of an issue where okay our guys are good and accommodating it, it doesn't help them with the tv situation and i know last week uh i think randy Carricker pointed out that they show where they had forty-two thousand viewers around they got the world. Up to about sixty-seven thousand. okay sixty-seven thousand. Yeah. so uh you know in that situation it's uh something they've got to work through and it, as again, it's growing pains. And I, I guess the other thing they have to do is they have to reconfigure how this the, the, the tournaments are going to be set up. I think they have to make it fun. I don't think they have to make it align with PGA 
in how they score and do things. Um, so there's a lot of work that they have to do. Obviously, they have the money to do it with, but I think they have to reconfigure how they approach this thing from a PR standpoint. And, and this whole thing about people ye yelling at Phil Mickelson, hey, you don't do it on the PGA Tour? You don't yell at people on the PGA Tour when they're about to swing? You can't do it here either. Okay, let's have a little respect. You may not like them, and that's fine. You may not like the golfers, but please show the same decor for golf with these guys as you would in a regular tour event, you know, on, on a regular PGA circuit. I, I think that's asinine for people to try and use the live tour to, to vent in a manner that they wouldn't even fathom if it was on the PGA tour. And I, I think Charles Barkley made a good point about the families of the 9-11 victims who now have got this groundswell of wanting to protest in front of these events and you know, hey, they have the right to do that. I don't have a problem with that. But I'm trying to figure out, they waited all this time. Surely there were other events that were sponsored by people who you suspect being part of this, this tragedy that you could have done something to create attention to them as well. But I think because they're going up against the PGA, now all of a sudden it's a more convenient opportunity. And, you know, is it right? I don't know. Uh, but I just think, as Charles Barkley said, it's selective. And I think he could say that because he elected not to be part of it. If he was part of it, you would say, well, you know, it is what it is. But I, I don't think that's the case here. Another guy we know that decided not to be part of that was Tiger Woods. And recently it was confirmed by Greg Norman. He was on with Tucker Carlson earlier this week and said that they offered Tiger between 700 and $800 million to come join the, uh, the live tour. And Tiger Woods turned it down. Well, when you already have a billion dollars, what's another 800 million? Right. I mean, I, I think that when Tiger decided he wanted to join in the fray on this, I think Tiger was probably the last guy I needed to hear from only because he has his money. Yep. Okay. So his impact on being against what these guys are doing doesn't mean jack shit to me because he has his money. Those guys are trying to get where Tiger is and they won't get there. I mean, you know, Tiger's got a pretty good head start. But I think the way certain people have decided to scorn these guys because they took the money. And, and, you know, I get it. I get both sides of this. You know, golf has always prided itself on being the, 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 made the strongest survive. You know, we play these 72 holes, uh, you know, and we play in excruciating weather. And, you know, you don't eat if you don't play. It's kind of the way they worked it. You know, you have to be in the top 125 to earn a tour card to be able to have access to playing in the tournaments. If not, you have to go back to what's called what I would deem the minor leagues. Yeah, it, it's tough. It, you know, uh, making a PGA tour is one of the toughest things in sports to do. And I think when you talk about those traditions, I understand where Tiger's coming from. But with that said, maybe he shouldn't be the messenger because he has his money. Yeah. Those guys don't. And finally, before we wrap things up here, Claves, uh, the NFL, I guess the Hall of Fame games this weekend. That's uh, Thursday. It's is it tomorrow? Okay, I hey, think I, something's going on tomorrow. I, it's Raiders against uh, Jaguars. If it's uh, and that means Vermeil's going into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Um, not Tory Holt. Uh, Tory's going to have to wait another year to uh, to get the call to uh, to Canton. But it's Jaguars against Raiders in the Hall of Fame game. 
they find the NFL finally came up with a suspension for Deshaun Watson, suspending him for six games due to the conduct that they have uh, deemed that he, I guess, participated in amongst all of the sexual assault allegations that have been brought against him. They went to a third party judge to come out with their uh, decision on what her findings were of the uh, of this all. And the NFL has since suspended him for the first six games of the 2022 regular season. Well, you know, I know some people were outraged by that, but I think they have to take into account the judge suspended him on the evidence that she had, the, the factual evidence, not the hearsay, not the fact that there were these alleged 24 plus women who said they were allegedly assaulted by him. And then we learned maybe it's really like more like four or five who actually had a viable case on why mm-hmm. he got the six. Um, and I think this, the pile on theory that this lawyer elected to use, and I, if I'm not mistaken, this lawyer represented all these women. So, you know, maybe a glorified ambulance chaser here. But I think that there was a lot of... Uh, inaccurate things that had been said and done and she had to go by what was a true fact not not what was hearsay and that's why she she tagged him with the six games um and i know there have been people who, how can you 24 people yeah but you know what you know only only difference is you and i didn't file a lawsuit oh you know sean you know deshaun what yeah i know okay good i'm suing you know that's basically what it came down to some people just thought well hell i'm gonna try and get paid too so we didn't have as much evidence as we thought. Now, having said that, obviously something happened because he got six games. Um, but I think one one of the most more egregious items is Stephen Ross with the Dolphins, who tampered twice, not once but twice. Okay, this is an owner who went after Tom Brady and went after Sean Payton, and what did they give him? It was a million bucks, I believe. And he he suspended to like the middle of October. Who cares? He should be done. He should be done for the year. I mean, you know, and, and and then some people would say, well, they're all tampering. And and there's some truth to that, and I'll tell you why. Okay, if the uh, signing day for free agency is tomorrow, and at midnight, 10 guys are already signed. So what that means is you were having contact prior than the time you were supposed to. And I'm gonna give you, I'll give you a great example. I'll never forget this. Dick Vermeer who claimed he was pretty smart about knowing about free agency. I'll never forget. I asked him the question. I said, well, you know, free agency starts uh, tomorrow. You know, he said, well, we'll start talking to everybody tomorrow. And I said, well, they won't be talking to him before. And he said, well, no, you can't. So we'll start negotiations tomorrow. And lo and behold, like about nine guys got signed, like right after midnight. And Vermeer was standing there with nothing. He couldn't sign any of the players he wants signed already been signed. Mm-hmm. So there is some there is some truth to the fact that there's some conversations that take place before the official day of contact takes place. So I kind of get that. But if you want to go by the letter of the law, Stephen Ross should be sitting out for a year. Uh, And they said they couldn't find enough evidence to support Brian Flores's claim about tanking games, but just to have that situation, that cloud over your head, along with what we learned with him tampering, you know, I think that was a more egregious uh, violation with regard to the NFL. Now, the other thing about this whole situation, this new method of punishment was devised by player and ownership. It was part of the CBA. And to be honest with you, I think it's a more fair assessment because 
I don't think the commissioner should be judge and jury, not for both player and owner. Okay. Because the owners pay his salary. So how can he be fair? And the best example is Roger Kraft. I mean, uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, right. Uh, Robert Kraft, Robert, with the yeah. New England, yeah, with the New England Patriots and how he skirted, you know. So uh, I like, the, and, you know, let's face it, the, 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 somebody's going to be always be disappointed in the ruling. So this this time, the NFL is disappointed. Who knows? Next week, uh, the players might be disappointed in how they do business. So it comes with the territory, but I think it's a more fair process than what we've had in the past. Klaibs, you uh, you're going to be heading down to the ballpark. Looks like there's a little bit of rain in the forecast, uh, but I would imagine you guys have something planned. Well, here's what we're happens. going to do uh, tonight. If there is rain and we are delayed, we have some interviews we've conducted with Vin Scully over the years. John Rooney, I think, it's had, has one. Mike Shannon has one. I know I have one, uh, and we're going to conduct those interviews with him uh, if there is rain that prohibits us from playing for an extended period of time. Any? Do you have any of uh, uh, Jack Buck, Vin Scully, anything like that deep in the Camelx? Uh, you know, it may be there. Archives. I, I haven't. I haven't been through there. I don't know what the archives looks like, so I don't even know who keeps the archives at this point. So yes. I'm sure we'll look into it. We got an email earlier today, online at gmail.com. Somebody asking how they can go about getting that, and I would suggest uh, reach out to the folks at KMOX and ask uh, ask them. How, yeah, uh, ask ask Tom Ackerman. He would be a good start. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be where to go for that. But hopefully, no rain and we get baseball tonight. But if there is a little bit, enjoy the Vin Scully interviews tonight on KMOX game six forty five start time. Yet again, uh, for Cubs and Cardinals, Cardinals winning last night 6-0, getting their week off to a great start. Should be huge crowds at Bush all week long with the Cubs in town now and then the Yankees in town this weekend. You get the uh, the home run king, Aaron Judge, and Matt Carpenter. I, I can't wait to see what kind of ovation Matt Carpenter gets the first time he steps into the box against the, uh, the Cardinals. It might not be until Saturday because Jordan Montgomery set to go on Friday night, so they'll probably uh, they'll probably save Carpenter for that Saturday night game. You never know. You never know. Well, let's, let's just you know, let's just show up and see what happens. He's Mike Claiborne. I'm Joe Roderick. We have been brought to you by Amron, Illinois, Munganas, St. Louis, Acura, and the HomeLoanExpert.com. All of our episodes, all of our content available online at Claibs Online. Uh, search for that wherever you find your podcasts. And don't forget about the Joe West Podcast, 5460, the Joe West Podcast. Our guest this week, Jim Leland, the uh, two-time manager of the year, the World Series champion with the Florida Marlins. He uh, and uh, Joe West go way back, and they have a uh, really nice conversation about that. You can find that by searching for 5460, the Joe West podcast. For Claves, I'm Joe. We uh, will talk to you next week. They are St. Louis Cardinals forever, but every career must come to an end. This season, we say farewell to some of the most legendary players to ever wear the birds on the bat. After countless memories that will always be a part of St. Louis Cardinals history, we invite you to join us for another. Tickets are available to witness the storybook ending. Don't miss your chance to see these Cardinal greats for the last time at Bush Stadium. Get your tickets now at cardinals.com.